Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. I'm Devin Kadayama, and you're listening to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. The San Jose flea market is home to hundreds of vendors from immigrant backgrounds who've been there for decades. But the area has been changing, and soon the city council will hold a key vote on whether to build a new development there with retail and housing. Lots of these vendors are nervous about what this means for them. They did not have a clear answer as to what their life will look like without this flea market. Today, the future of the San Jose flea market. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.com org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. I've been to other flea markets. I've been to other swap meets, but it doesn't compare to La Pulga because it's so big. Carlos Cabrera Lomali is a reporter with KQED in Espanol. He co-reported this story with Silicon Valley reporter Aditi Banlamudi. Maybe let's go that way. We have yeah. to go that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The flea market is located in North San Jose. A lot of folks know it as La Pulga, which means like the flea in Spanish. Oh my God, this stuff looks so good. When I was a kid, my mom and I used to go to a lot of the flea market swap meets. We'd sell stuff, we'd sell tamales. So we know the Bay Area swap meets very well, but La Pulga was like the big leagues. We're, you know, we're talking about hundreds of stalls. The aisles have street names because if not, you're gonna get lost. People like, like you know, laughing, kids shouting, music playing all the time. Daniel. 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 
smell smells so good because there's just food everywhere. You go there and you want to spend the whole day there. And that's like the weekend family trip. And Aditi, how many vendors are there and, and who are the vendors? There are 430 vendors and over 700 stalls. The vendors are immigrants, largely, um, from all over San Jose, from all over the Bay Area. And how long has this flea market been there in San Jose? This flea market has been there since the 1960s, when it first opened. Hola, señora. Hola, buenas tardes. One of the vendors we met was Ana Vasquez. Uh, in Vasquez, B-A-Z-Q-U-E-Z. Es mi nombre, soy de México, y ya tengo aquí en Estados Unidos 40 años. So Ana Vasquez sells uh, piñata, sells uh, art, you know, craft work, sells candy, sells cheese. Básicamente es una tienda mexicana. Vendemos desde productos abarrotes a artesanía. She's been in San Jose for about more than 35 years. Pretty much all those years she's been working at La Pulga. 37 años. You know, her family depends on her stall. That's her sole source of income. Vivimos netamente de aquí, del trabajo de aquí, de la flea market. A lot of vendors, you know, not only have they been there for decades, but they're also older and they, you know, they're, they have whole families depending on them. La Pulga has been there for decades, but all of that could change very soon. On June 22nd, the San Jose City Council is going to vote on something called the Berryessa-Bart Urban Village Plan. It's this big, ambitious plan that the city has been working on for a couple decades. It's basically this multi-use structure around the BART station, San Jose's first BART station, which opened in June of last year. The area is supposed to provide 22,000 jobs, 6.7 million square feet of office space, and over 4,000 dwelling units, um, some of that being affordable. And the city is really excited about it because they figure there's going to be more housing, there's going to be more access to transportation, and it will make San Jose more of a happening place than it maybe is right now. And so who actually owns this land? The land is owned by the Bum family. They've owned it since the 1960s. They've been in talks with the city to basically be part of this project and to rezone that land as part of this mixed-use development. This project sounds exactly like the kind of housing that the Bay Area talks about needing more of, right? It's like retail, it's a lot of housing, and it's near transit. And that's what makes the story really complicated, because San Jose still has a problem with affordable housing. So this development would bring to the city a lot of what it kind of needs. The problem is that it is on land that is already being used by low-income people, people of color, um, who could get pushed out. What will happen to these vendors if the development goes through? The development sets aside five acres within the new project space uh, where current uh, flea market vendors will still be able to operate But we're talking about a big reduction because, I mean, the big flea market property, 60 acres, the actual space taken up by the vendors is 15 acres. So from 60, 15, and now five. 
you can squeeze it into five acres. But keep in mind that these five acres, um, according to at least the some of the proposals that they, that the developers have shared with the city, it'll be encircled by either housing complexes or um, office space. Toda la vida he visto que hay cada cada año están haciendo casas nuevas desde la primera vez que yo vine aquí. O sea que sí ha crecido mucho. When we talked to some of the vendors, like Anna, they had said that they had seen the area change slowly in a way that felt eerie. Siempre veía como cuando uno va a Disneylandia, un cruce de gente, mucha gente saliendo. You know, she used to see, you know, just crowds of people coming into the flea market and it almost looked like Disneyland where so many people would come in. But that parking lot has since been reconstructed into a housing complex with a Safeway and the housing looks really ritzy and fancy and modern. And Anna and uh, and other vendors we talked to were sort of saying how they feel like they're almost getting trapped inside of this gentrifying circle. So all around them, they see all this development and the city really changing. And, and what they're seeing, they're not seeing that it's, that it's for them, it sounds like. They don't feel like it's for them. They feel like it's for people who we think of as stereotypically Silicon Valley residents. And they feel surrounded. So Carlos, what could this development mean to not only vendors, but the community who goes to this flea market? There's a possibility that that we're going to see a big ripple effect because for every stall, we're talking about several suppliers that provide the goods that they sell. Can I get your name? Well, my name is Cayetano Araujo Hernandez. Cayetano uh, Araujo. He sells dried fruits, peanuts, candies, a lot of snacks. And he told us that if his business goes down, that impacts three families uh, that supply him. Not just those families, but also the, the folks that, that depend on him for income and also his own, uh, you know, his own future. He's 65 and he receives a little bit of pension, but he knows that's not enough. Pero no me alcanzaría para los biles de la casa, pagar renta, pagar luz, agua. And he told us very frankly, like, it's hard for me to find a different job at my age. A big part of uh, the vendors are immigrants who have uh, folks back uh, in their countries of origin that depend on the remittances and the money that, that uh, folks at the flea market send. Uh, so, I mean, we see that, you know, the, the impact directly, not just at local level, but at a global level. So Cayetano told us that he's not against the proposal. Like he's he's against the way that there is very little input, that there was uh, very little consideration for the perspectives of the vendors, the vendors who really made La Pulga over the over decades, right? No nos oponemos a sus planes, sino que nos incluyan en sus planes para poder nosotros tener una vejez un poco más tranquila y sin tanta preocupación. And that's something we also heard from the um, from the Vendors Association, a group that represents dozens of, 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 the, of the flea market vendors. The group is frustrated 
And it feels like, you know, developers, the, the ownership just, you know, thought about this and just handed it down and says, either you take this or you don't. So what have the landowners or city officials said about these concerns by the vendors? You know, it's interesting in hearing how the city and the Bum family talk about, um, you know, the vendors. They're sort of like, well, we are open to talking to anyone who has something to say. Eric Shainauer, and I'm a land use consultant uh, representative for the flea market owners. We're confident that there's ample time to work together with the vendors, the city, and any other interested parties to come up with the details of the future plan. A lot of these vendors feel like, look, this is affecting us. Nobody has come to us to ask us how we feel. And we also, you know, a lot of them don't speak English. It's very difficult to advocate for yourself, even if you do speak the language of the people you're negotiating with. But if you don't speak the same language, it's going to be even more difficult. The Bum family recently announced it was willing to commit $2 million to support vendors' transition to a new market. Eric Schenauer, who represents the family, claims that the city will create a flea market advisory group to help think about what the new market space will look like. But representatives for vendors say that's not enough to address their concerns about this development and how it will affect them. So far, though, San Jose's city council appears ready to move forward with the vote on Tuesday. From what I've seen, a lot of members of the city council are really supportive of this plan and are really excited as to what it could bring to the city. And while there are some council members who are sympathetic towards the flea market vendors, I think the city looks at this plan and all of the good that it could bring to San Jose and are most likely to vote in favor of the plan. Carlos, on the one hand, we have this flea market, which has been there for decades, which has hundreds of vendors, a lot of them who are immigrants. And then on the other hand, we have this mixed use development with, a, with some housing uh, near transit that could take its place. How do you make sense of this story in the context of the Bay Area, in the context of Silicon Valley and a city like San Jose, where there has obviously been so much displacement already for so long? You know, going back in time to 2000, when uh, San Jose voters approved Proposition A, which set aside funds for the creation of, of BART coming into San Jose, that, you know, at that time, I think that North San Jose was not as a, or even San Jose was not as a real estate hotspot as it is now. The arrival of, of, you know, of BART was meant to, symbol, you know, represent, hey, San Jose is fully integrated to the Bay Area. It's really up and coming. Um, and that, you know, by bringing BART in, by integrating public transit with a housing, with real estate space, it's supposed to be this, you know, kind of like the silver bullet. And even the best policies in urban planning, they can't escape, you know, having some impact upon the residents that there is a question of displacement that always has to be considered. The Berryessa BART story, I think, really stands for how displacement at local level really is also connected to how we integrate, like, the bigger Bay Area. And if it doesn't come in from the perspective of those that have the most to lose, it loses its potential to be fully inclusive. 
What does Anna plan to do if the city approves the development? Did she say anything about that? She doesn't know. Mi única esperanza que no se pierda la esperanza porque como dicen la esperanza es lo último que se pierde. If she loses her stall, she is unsure of what her future looks like. And we heard that from every vendor we talked to. They did not have a clear answer as to what their life will look like without this flea market. Earlier this week, the San Jose Spotlight obtained a letter written by members of the Berryessa Flea Market Vendors Association. In it, vendors say they want the vote, which is scheduled for this Tuesday, to be postponed until September. They also want longer leases for vendors, and at least three years' notice if the market is closed or moved. Thanks to Carlos Cabrera-Lomali, a reporter with KQED in Espanol, and Silicon Valley reporter Aditi Banlamudi. This episode of The Bay was edited and mixed by Erica Cruz Guevara and Alan Montesilio. Isa Mendoza writes our Friday newsletter. Our podcast leadership team is Jessica Placek, Kiana Mogadam, Erica Aguilar, Vinny Tong, Ethan Tovin Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it from us to you. Talk to you later. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.